Good morning, good chodesh. Today's daf is daf ayin tes. I'm going to go from about the 14th, last, uh, 12th last line of ayin chesam udbeis 78b. The Gemara brings um, is asking. We know that to be liable for carrying on Shabbos, it has to be something that is significant. So the Gemara says, Tanarabonanamoitzishtarchov. If someone carries out a shtarchov, a, a document of a loan, if it hasn't been paid, he's liable for carrying. Mishaporu Potter, if it has been paid, he's exempt. Rabbi Yehuda Aimer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Af Mishaporu Chayev Ibn Even once it's been paid up, he's Chayev because he needs it. Now, this Bricer is very vague because it's what's the. Um, who's carrying it, etc. So the Gemara asks, my benay, what they're arguing in. So we're going to actually see four different opinions. The first three are based on, on discussing the lender carrying it. So Omar Yosef, they're arguing about whether you are allowed to keep a document that has already been paid up. Aye, the Rashi brings it. The pasuk that says "Al tishkon ba'alecha avla," you're not allowed to leave an avla perversion in your tent. I, you shouldn't leave the stumbling block around of having this loan document that's already been paid when you're going to tempt it to use it to collect again. So, and then he explains it. He says, "Rabbanon sabri asal hashoy shtar porua." Rabbanon hold you're not allowed to leave a shtar porua. So there's not nothing the lender can do with this document, but besides, I guess, tear it up and throw it out, dispose of it. And therefore, if he carries it, he's potter. He's allowed to keep it. And therefore, he would keep it to um, use as a bottle stopper or something like that. And therefore, he would be liable for carrying on Shabbos because it has a use. We could say that everyone holds that it's forbidden to keep a star purua, to keep a shtar purah. Oh, so what are they arguing? They're arguing on whether it, if he admits to the shtar that he wrote it, does it still need to be verified? Basically, generally, when, a, when a, any time a lender presents a shtar chov against the borrower, the borrower can say it's a, fraud, it's a forgery, and the lender would have to get it authenticated either by the witnesses or the or uh, you test the witnesses who signed on it, or someone testifying that they know those people testifying that they know those signatures. Now, if the lawyer, what happens if the lawyer admits that he that it's he wrote that document, but he said he paid it? If now also we have to assume that we are there's no other way to verify this document just for our case. So he says. The Tanakama holds if the borrower says, I'm, that is an authentic document, you're right, I did write it when I borrowed money, but I already paid you, he would need to um, sorry, um, and therefore the document is actually worthless because the lender can't use it to collect. Because the borrower said it is authentic, but I paid. Once he admits that he wrote it, once the borrower admits it's authentic, there's no further requirement to verify to my eyes. So therefore, it's a good document and he can use it to collect. Oh my, and that's why the lender would be liable for carrying. Oh my, oh, but the price has said, if you already paid and he didn't pay, when we're just both discussing a case 
um, where he did not pay. So he says, no, it means ad parasi parasi. The case in the mission when it says if uh, that paid means the borrower said I paid, or he says it's a good document but I did not pay. Okay, that's the second answer. The third answer, Rava Omar, to Kuli No, we're not getting into that discussion. Everyone agrees that if the borrower says uh, it's a good document, but uh, and you have no other way to authenticate it besides him saying it's a good document, but he paid. Then it's a worthless day. He says, but they're arguing whether you write a receipt. What happens if the borrower admits he owes the money? He says, yes, I did borrow money and I admit I'm owing it to you. But I don't want to give you the money until you give me the shtachov to tear up because I'm worried that you'll use it to collect a second time. Do we make the borrower, have the, do we allow that the lender says, look, let me write you a receipt for this loan saying that you've paid. And if I ever find the loan document, the Shtarachov, then I will use that to collect. Do we put the responsibility on the borrower to keep that receipt? I mean, he has to keep it with his files for basically ever in case the lender file um, tries to find the document and tries to claim with it again. So do we put that? So that's the Machloi Kesia. So he says, Tanakama The Tanakama holds you do write a receipt. Therefore, the lawyer has admitted that he owes the money. This document now is worthless to the lender because whether or not the lender has that document, he'll still be able to collect the money and just write the shaver a receipt. And therefore, that's why the Tanakama hold. If the lender would carry this document, that's exempt. Review would a sovereign and question shaver. Review would holds. No, we do not write a receipt. Again, we don't put the, the lender was careless and he lost his star. We don't now make the borrower have the responsibility of having to keep that star. And therefore, this loan doc, even though the borrower admits he owes the money, the lender won't be able to actually take that money until he, unless he has this loan document, and therefore the loan document is worth something to him. Therefore, if he loses it, he'd be potter. Ravashi, Omar Ravashi says, now Ravashi, interestingly, is all the others were discussing the lender carrying it. Ravashi is going to discuss the borrower, borrower carrying it. Now, generally, a borrower would not necessarily want to keep his loan document lying around. Because in case he loses it, it could be used to collect from him again. So the borrower is going to try dispose of it. But there are other uses he might have. Now, Ravashi, or Mr. Ravashi says, he might, You might consider it. The argument is, would you consider it a worthwhile use to show a second creditor that, look, I'm reliable. Either the borrower goes and says, look, I borrowed X previously and I've paid it back. Look, I have the loan document. Now if you consider that now the Tanakama obviously holds, he wouldn't really keep it for that reason and therefore it's worthless and therefore if he carries it on Shabbos he's exempt. Review it holds no, he would use it to show a second creditor to enable him to get a loan and therefore he would be um he would be hired if he carried it on Shabbos. Okay, then the Mishnah mentioned Orkade Lasos. How much hide would you be liable for carrying? Enough to make a Kamir. Someone carries out hide, how much must he carry to be liable? So or It says, well, the Mishnah said enough hide to make a Kamir. Now that everyone agrees, Rashi basically explains, obviously Rovan knew the answer to that. He was just using it as an introduction to his next question. It says, How much hide must one carry? How much hide must one carry 
to be liable. So Omalei Kedetnan is the uh, sorry, Omalei um, Loshna, same amount. How much hide must one tan to be liable? Omalei Loshna. The of the Bakamo, if he carries it to be tanned, how much must he carry to be liable? So Omalei Loshna. It makes no difference. Oh, me not, Tamra. Why do you say that it makes no difference whether he's carrying it to be tanned or he's carrying tanned hard? Kedetnan is we learned in the Mishnah. If someone is whitening, combing, dyeing, or spinning thread, the amount to be high for doing all of that is the amount of mole sit. Mole sit is the the space between his double length of the space between his two fingers. Similarly, if someone weaves two threads, the length of a mole sit. He would also be half weaving. Alma, what do we see? Kima and Since the whole purpose of these threads is to be spun, Ashura Kitfui, the amount that you would whiten, comb, or dye is that amount of being thread. So Hakanami Kima Ovad. So to here, since it is so to here, since it is to be made into hide to tan it, the amount would be the same as for carrying tanned hide. The shaloila of the bakama, and if it never planned on tanning it, how much? Omalei loishno, he says it makes no difference. Gomorrah now asks, the loishoni bank over determinedly there's no difference in the shear between where the, the hide has been tanned or when the hide has not been tanned. And basically, we're going to bring a few cases in Hilchah Shabbos where the ingredients, the raw product, requires a bigger shear than the finished product to be liable for carrying. The first one is Eisivei Hamoitzi Samonim Shruyim Kedeli Tzvobahem Dugmel Ira. If someone carries soaked dyes, I ready may die. If it's enough to, it would be chayv. If it's enough to die. Dugmalira, tiny little sample cloth. The ilu besamonim shaintrium tanan. However, regarding um, the raw ingredients for the dye, tanan we learned in a mission, clipe, a goizim, a clipe, remoinims, stis upua, kadelitzwa bohem, beget katan, savcha, le fee savcha. The amount of these raw ingredients that you have to get would be enough to make enough dye. For dyeing the small uh, top of a woman's head covering, but it's bigger than the previous case. So what do we see? That there is the raw ingredients generally have a different size shear to the finished product. So it's not how it more. Rav Nachman said in the name of Rabbi Baravua, says no. The answer, there, the explanation there is a person is never going to go to the effort to make enough dye just to dye a tiny little piece but if he has enough dye if he has already made dye he will keep it to dye a tiny little sample piece Bahare, Zaruni, similar question Zaruni Gina seeds for a garden to make me the Zarinu Tanan regarding before they were planted we learned to the Mishnah Zarune Gina Pokos Mika Gregoris Rabbi Yehuda Ben Beseiro Oimer Chamisha if you had less than a Gregoris or even if you have less than a gregaria, or less than a gregaria, and Rabbi Yehuda ben Masera says even just five seeds, the ilu basa dazarinu, 
But after you've planted these seeds, tnan milotin another mishnah zeba v'chol hadak. If you have enough fertilizer or fine sand, k'day lezavol boy kelach shel koruv. Diver Rabbi Akiva enough to fertilize a cabbage leaf. Oy b'chachomim omrim k'day lezavol kresha. But either way, we see the amount of zevil for one leaf or the amount of uh, for one leak, depending whether you're going like Rabbi Akiva or Chachomim, you would be hard for carrying. Whereas seeds, it has to be actually a few seeds, which should make much more. So again, we see that it should be. There's a difference between the initials. Tajim with the finished point. He says no. That's exactly what Papa explained. How does Ria or the Loizarea here where it's Growing and here's where it not has where it has not yet grown the fish. Because a person's not going to go to the effort to take out one little seed to plant. I again, yeah. Hare, another example. Oh, what a wool. Another question is Hare tit de mikmi delik vile tanya moidim chachamim le rebish regarding a mud before you've kneaded it. So, yeah, sand and water. Tanya, we learned in the mission moidim chachamim le rebishimon. The chachamim agreed to rebishimon. But Moitzi Shoifim Lishus Harabim Sheshiuron. But reveals that if you're carrying um, wastewater into uh, drain water into the Rishus Harabim, if you carry a reveals, you'd be Chayav. Says Vavinan Ba Shoifim Lamai Chazu, and they asked, "What we? What is? Yeah, it was confusing. What purpose could anyone use drain water for?" So he says, says to make it. So that's how much. Water is the minimum amount that's worthwhile to make tit, to make cement, clay. That would be one reverse of water. But after he's kneaded it, he already has this mud. Tanya, we learned in a brisa. Enough tit to block a small hole in a furnace. It seems to like seal just around the bellows, but a tiny little amount of tit, far less than a reverse of water would make. So the Gemara answers, no, Hassan Nami Kadomron, just as we've explained up to you, Tikur, a person is not going to go to the effort to make enough um, to make tit, to make a tiny amount for a Pikur. So it comes out as follows. I mean, the general principle so far is that in general, you're right, raw substances often do have to be a larger shear because a person's not going to bother to keep a small amount of a of raw ingredients that he now has to go into the effort to make something. But if he already has the finished product, well, even a little bit he'd keep to use. Toshma, Kamenia, Doma, Rebichia Barami, Mishmei de Ula, Rebichia Barami, said the name of Ula, Shloisha Oiros Hain, Matza, Vechipa, Vediftera. There are three types of hides, are three stages in the processing of hides. What are matzah, chipa, and diftera? What are they? So matzah, kamashmo, matzah, as it's implied, I totally plain. Nothing's done to it. So it's delo miliach, but delo kemiach, or delo ofit. It hasn't been salted. It hasn't been treated with flour or gallnut. But kamashiura, how much would one have to carry to be liable? Tonerish mulbar. Rav Yehuda, kerei lotzur bo mashkelois katani, enough to wrap small weights. A kama, how much is that? Omar Abaya revered the revered the Pumbadisa, a quarter of a quarter of a Pumbadisa litre, okay, whatever size that is. But basically, this is of this matzah hide that's called matzah, it, you would only be liable for carrying if you carried enough to wrap a small weight. What's chippa? It's where it's been salted, but it hasn't been treated with flour or gallnut. The Kamishura and how much Kedantan, as we learned in the Mishnah, or Kedela, so is Kamiya, enough to make a amulet. And Diftera, 
Demeliach v'kemiach v'la'ofetz. Diftera is parch, um, hide that has been salted and treated with flour, but not with gold nuts. It says, v'kamashira, how much? K'day lichtov v'la'ofetz. I get you have to write again. How, uh, even smaller amount than to make a kemiach. How much would you write on a get? So Rashi, I mean, interesting, we have a minag that our get must be 12 lines. We get that from the Gematria Gimel Tes 3 and 9, which is 12. But strictly speaking, all a get has to have, it has to have the sentence that the man says, I permit you to all other men. And then it has to have his name, her name, the adim, the date, and just the date. So it's really a tiny little piece of parchment, strictly speaking. But that's what, that's the sure of this, Diftera. But we see that it's enough to wrap small weights, which is much more than to make a kamir, which is what Rav Nachman said at the top of the page. How much um, hide to that still needs to be tanned? And we said, he said the same as to make a kamir, but now we've just said it's a larger shear. So for Omar Abba, um, so the Gemara says, No, there it's where it's moist. I wear it's enough to make a kmiya is where it's ready to be tanned, but where it's still moist, I can't do anything to it. That's matzah, and that's when it is has to be a bigger shear because that's all it could be used for. A garment has to be three by three for him to become Tommy Midrash because that's when it's a, that's when it can be sat on and used hasak dalit al dalit and sack cloth would be four by four for him or hey al hey. Leather hide five by five. Mapatza mat vovavo. Bain lemidras, bain lemais. That's when it is subjected to tuma, whether it's tumas midras or tumas mais, when it can be used for sitting on. And those are the basic measurements. But taniolo habeged ba sak vaor kashur le tuma kashur lotza. And we learned in a brisa that these shurim we gave, that is the minimum size for them to be susceptible to tuma, is also the minimum size for them to be used for carrying. And that someone would be high for carrying on Shabbos. Now, if that's the case, this here we said leather hide must be five by five. We've been discussing a much smaller shear of Kadeh. The Kamiya, enough to make a Kamiya. So, Moran says, No, who? Bakur Tavula. This amount that, no, the type of leather we're discussing in this price is a stiffened leather. It was boiled or something made very hard, specifically for sitting on, and you would never use um, made hard for like chairs or or to be stretched over chairs or beds or things like that, and it would not be used for anything else besides this. And that's where it needs a bigger shoe. But regular hide would be one would be liable for carrying even a small amount, and even if it's unprocessed, if it's just good day come here. Okay, we're right at the top of Ein Tessam with base 79b. Um, we're going to say, Klaf, how much parchment are you liable for carrying? The amount that would be to for the, the a small parsha, the smallest parsha, and we may, there it mentions in the Tehil, in the Tfilin, which is Kriyashma, the first paragraph of Shema. So if it's enough parchment that you could write the first paragraph of Shema, you'd be liable for carrying it on Shabbos. Um, now, before we go further, just to highlight that, the, so the, the leather would be treated, tanned, and made into parchment, and that hard is what they would call gvil. Now, what they would generally do, and this is what's important for the coming up of the Gemara, is they would split the hard. Don't exactly how, but they would split the hard, and it would be called into klaf and duchtustus. 
the two different, the part that is outside, like by the, I guess where the fur of the animal is, is called the cluff. And the split that's on the inside by the flesh of the animal is called the duchtustus. So we just said that, uh, yeah. so he says, Veriminu, they raised the contradiction. He says, Klaf the duchtustus, both klaf and duchtustus, kedei lichsov olov mezuzah. The amount you'd be liable for carrying is if it's enough to write a mezuzah on it. Now a mezuzah is actually two parishes. It's um, Shema Yisrael, that paragraph, and Vohoyom Shemua, the second paragraph of what we call the Shema. So, it's a much bigger amount than what our Mishnah said, because our Mishnah said it's just a cluff you're only liable for if it's big enough to write. You're liable even if it's just big enough, it's a small, but you could write the, the tefillin on it. The Shema paragraph of Shemilim. So, the says, no, my mezuzah, what do we mean by mezuzah? Yeah, mezuzah shepet tefillin, the scroll in the tefillin. Generally, you're right. Generally, when we say mezuzah, we mean the scroll that we put on the doorposts. But here, when we say mezuzah, we mean the scroll in the tefillin. Do we find that you call tefillin mezuzah? In, yes, as we learned in Ebrisa, if you have the strap connected, the tefillin strap connected to the tefillin, it can be, it makes people's hands tome. I don't know if you remember, we learned that when we were discussing hand tumor, we said all Kisve Kodesh, holy writings, the rabbis made exera that it makes per, people's hands tome, so that they didn't keep it by their food, because they leave food by it, because they didn't want their food to become tome, because people would um, would leave it by their food, and then rodents would come and eat it. So they made exera that all kisvei kodesh make hands tome, and therefore they would also make food tome, and therefore people would not leave them together. So this Tana teaches that if you have the straps connected to the tefillin, the straps also make if the straps are not connected, they do not make the hands tome. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda says, Mishum Rabbi Shimon, the name of Rabbi Shimon, He says, no, even if the straps are attached and you t- touch them, you're not tome unless you touch the boxes. Rabbi Zakai Mishmo, Rabbi Zakai says in the name of Rabbi Shimon, in the name of Rabbi Shimon, Oimer, that Rabbi Shimon says, Tohor Adshe Yagib Mezuzah Atma, until you touch the actual scroll. The actual, remember what are our tefillin? They're leather boxes with the primary part in, the parchments with the, with the four paragraphs written on them. So he says, Rabbi Zakai says, you're only liable if you touch the mezuzah. What's he referring to? The scroll. So we see that mezuzah is referred to a scroll. So back to the top of the page. When we said, um, could, um, how much cluff do you have to carry to be liable? And we said enough to write a mezuzah. We didn't mean literally the sort of mezuzah we put on our doorpost. We meant enough to write the small scroll of the tefillin. Which is the Shema. Oh, but the second clause of that price says, and if you carry enough cloth to write the parish, the smallest parish of, of, of the Tfilin, Shehi Shema Yisrael, which is the paragraph of Shema Yisrael, Michlal the Reisha B'Mezuzah Atmos must be when we said Mezuzah, we meant Mezuzah. You, it's all very well to come along and say Mezuzah means scroll when we, when we don't mention Tfilin. But if we mention Mezuzah and then we mention Tfilin, when we mention mezuzah, we must have mentioned mezuzah. We must have meant mezuzah. It says, no, this is what it's teaching. How much klaf and duchsusus would one be liable to carry? 
So he says, The amount of Duchtustus to write a mezuzah. And class, and the amount of cloth you would be liable for carrying is the smallest parsha in the tefillin, which is Shema. Generally, they would, as we'll see in the next sugya, generally you would use duchtustus for mezuzah and cloth for tefillin. So how much duchtustus would one, again, remember that's the hard, when the heart is split, that's the hard closer to the flesh. How much would you use Um it's actually it's a it's a thicker it's also thicker so you would want to use that for your you'd use that for your mezuzah there you'd only be liable if it has enough to write two parshas on shma vohoyom shema however tefillin which is klaf which could be used for your tefillin then you'd be liable even if you could just write the one paragraph of shema on now omar rab duchtustus klaf rab said that duchtustus is like klaf so Gomorrah says my klaf the, it must mean that my klaf koisimolov tefillin aftuchtustus koisimolov tefillin. It must be that just as you you write tefillin on klaf, you're also allowed to write the parishes of tefillin on duchtustus. Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah klaf katei lichtov all of parsha katanishe bitfillin shehishma Israel. Oh, but we said that klaf, you're liable if you could write the one paragraph of t- of your tefillin on it. I the smallest. Sorry, the smallest paragraph that's in your tefillin, I Shema Yisrael, which implies that Baklaf specifically, you could write this one small paragraph and it's significant. So Moses says, no, the mitzvah, that's ideal. Ideally, you should use klaf. And that's why we mention this amount for klaf. But strictly speaking, you could even use Duchtustus. Uh, Toshma, coming, yeah, mitzvah means the ideal way to do the mitzvah, but if you did it on Tuchtustus, you'd fulfill, still fulfill your obligation. Tashma, I've got another question on that. It says, We have, uh, it says, that filin must be written on klaf and the mezuzahs must be written on Tuchtustus. Klaf, b'mokom boso, Tuchtustus, b'mokom sar. And that the klaf is where the, you write, on the klaf, on the side that faces the flesh, and you write on the duchtustuf, b'mokom ser, on the side that faces the, um, the ser, the hair. So basically, remember, you have like this, you have your gvil, your parchment like this, imagine the top part, the back of my hands, where the animal's um, hair is, you split it open, and you have klaf, the top part, and duchtustus, the bottom part that's close to the flesh of the animal, you would write on the inside of them. So you'd write your tefillin on the inside of the klaf, and you'd write your mezuzah on the inside of the duchtustus. But what do we see there again? That tefillin on klaf, and not on duchtustus. So again, the Gemara says, no, the mitzvah, it's the ideal is to write your tefillin on klaf, but if you did write your tefillin on tuchsustus, you'd be, I'd say, of a whole tanya, but we learned in a brisa shina posel, if you change them around, it's posel. If you write tefillin on tuchsustus, it's invalid. Says, the Gemara says, no, or the other way around, says, a mezuzah, that's going on mezuzah. Ah, if you write mezuzah on klaf, it would be invalid, but if you write tefillin on klaf, 
That's the ideal way to do it. But if you write it on Tuchsustus, you'd still fulfill the mitzvah. It's only by mezuzah if you'd write mezuzah on Klaf, it would be possible. Oh, but it says if you switch both both ways, it's possible. I, this one and that one, if you switch Tfilin to write on Tuchsustus or mezuzah and write it on Klaf, it's possible. So the one says, no, I did, but I did. A mezuzah. They both going on mezuzah. Whether it's saying both are going on mezuzah. And it's saying that this, if you wrote it on klaf where the hair is, inami, it would be possible. And so to regular klaf. Inami Or even on dosustus on the place which faces the flesh. It would be possible. I, the mezuzah so far is very strict. You have to write it on the duchsustus, and if you write it on klaf, it's possible. And not only that, you have to write it on the correct side of the duchsustus, the side that faces the, the hair of the animal. If you write it on the side that was facing the flesh, it would be invalid. That's what it means. Shina bezelv is possible. If you switch either of them, you're possible. Of the Iboy Sam alternative, you can say Shina bezelv is tonight here. It's actually a machloikas tonight. The Tanya we learned in the Brisa Shina bezelv is possible. Says if you switch your tefillin and write it on Dulsustus or your mezuzah and write it on Klaf, it's invalid. Rabbi Acha Machshir, Rabbi Acha says it's kosher. Mishum, yeah, says it's kosher to write tefillin on Dulsustus. Mishum Rabbi Acha Bachanina va'omri lo Mishum. Rabbi Yaakov Bachanina, some say it was in the name of Rabbi Yaakov Bachanina, and some say no, it was in the name of Rabbi Yaakov Bachanina. But either way, we see it's a machloikes to noim. We have the one opinion that says you're not allowed to write tefillin on dulsustus, and the other opinion says, no, you are allowed to write tefillin on dulsustus, and that would obviously be the opinion that Rav follows that we started with. Rav Papa Omar Rav, do Omar Ketana, Ketana, Rav Papa said in the name of Rav, who said like the Tana of Devei Menashe, the Tana Devei Menashe, the school of Benay Menashe, the yeshiva of Menashe taught, if you write it on paper, or you write it on cloth, it's possible. Ala klaf, ala gvilv, ala duchtustus. If you write it on parchment, gvil, remember that's before you split them, or duchtustus is kosher. Now, kosva mai. If you wrote what? What are we referring to? So far, it's very vague. She says, If you want to say we're discussing a mezuzah, well, are you even allowed to write a mezuzah on klaf? We just learned you're not allowed to. She says, El allowed tefillin. It must be saying tefillin. Oh, so we see that you can write your tefillin on. Um, you can write your tefillin on dulsustus. It says, But no, according to that, I'm saying you can't write tefillin on gvil. So Ella Kitanya Hahiba Sefer Torah. That Brisa must have been regarding a Sefer Torah. Ah, yes, Sefer Torah. You can write on Gvil Klaf or Duchtustus. Lema Masayale. We can actually bring a proof for Rav. Kiyotze bore similarly. It says that Brisa is discussing changing things that have a stricter sanctity to a lower level sanctity. Tfilin Shebalu Vesefer Torah Shebalu. If you have Tfilin that have um, the paragraph, the chapter, have worn out, or a Sefer Torah that's worn out. You're not allowed to make them into a mezuzah because you're not allowed to change from a high-level Kedusha to a low-level Kedusha. Sefer Torah is more holy than uh, anything, and Tfilin are more holy than a mezuzah. So you can't cut out the paragraphs of Shema 
to make your mezuzah from these worn out tefillin and Sefer Torah. So it's but time at the Ein Moridin, the reason you're not allowed to do it is because you're not allowed to go down in Kedusha. However, if it, you already did downgrade it or if it started off at that lower level, it's fine. Now, what, so what are we saying here? What's the reason you can't change your tefillin into mezuzah? Because you're going down in Kedusha. Which implies from the outset, you could have made that piece of parchment into either tefillin or mezuzah. It says, now, what you're writing it on? Is it not that you wrote it on duchsustus? It must be that you wrote it on klaf. But haven't we just spent half this page telling, proving that you're not allowed to write and, well, taking for granted that you're not allowed to write a mezuzah on klaf? So no, in you are allowed to vahotanya, as we learned in Abraisa. Koswala klaf ala nyorva ala matlis. Psula, if you write it on parchment, paper, or cloth, that's possible. And Omar Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, Rabbi Meir, how your koiswala klaf, Rabbi Meir used to write his, it on a klaf, because it lasts longer. Now, so hashtadas is lahaki, now that you've come onto this, lerav nami, we can actually go back and explain rav differently. Aye, so let's just tie all the sugya before we see the final answer. We started off by bringing a quote from Rav. Rav said that Tuchtustus is the same as Klaf. Now we were trying to work that out because as far as we knew, oh, we said it must be, he means that you can write Tfilin on both Klaf and Tuchtustus. But Mezuzah, you could only write on Tuchtustus and never on Klaf. And we had all these challenges and that's basically how we came out. But then we brought this Brysa that came along and said, wait, it seems clearly, we brought from the name of Rabbi Shimon that Rabbi Meir used to write his mezuzah on klaf. And therefore the Gemara's hash to is lahachi l'rav nami loy teim adusustus klaf. When Rav came along and said, dusustus is like klaf, don't say that, it's saying that you can write your mezuzah on dusustus Tfilin on Dursustus just as you can write it on Klaf. Ella aim a Klaf hare hu kudusustus. Say that what Rav meant is that Klaf is like Dursustus. Ma Dursustus koisinolo mezuzah. Av Klaf koisinolo mezuzah. Just as Dursustus you can write it. You can write a mezuzah on it. So too you can write your mezuzah on Klaf. So we've actually totally switched it around. Again we started off understanding Rav that your mezuzah had to be written on, on Dursustus. And the Tefillin is the one that Rav was telling us could be written on either. Comes along the Gomorrah now based on Rebbe Meir and switches it around. Tosfus concludes. Um, Tosfus concludes from this that really either are equal. You could write your tefillin on either or your mezuzah on either. Maybe lechatchila you should do it one or the other, but that would be fine. And just one interesting point. I didn't, get, I didn't get to look into it, but I remember the way they manufacture our parchment is different. So I don't think we actually end up with tuchtustus and klaf. Uh, but that would be a whole interesting uh, discussion in itself. Okay, we'll leave it there for today. Have a very good Chodesh. And yeah, I'll see you tomorrow at uh, 7.